Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It's Blake Sorensen and Justin Dunbar back with another episode of the Inside Leverage podcast. Today was going to be a very bland and boring day, quite honestly. We were just going to tell you a little bit about the Senior Bowl, which was rather underwhelming in my opinion, and then just talk, you know, a little bit about some Super Bowl preview stuff. Um, Yeah, and then Saturday just changed everything up. We had a huge blockbuster trade and you know we've had star players traded in in past years but we haven't seen a quarterback get traded like this in a while have we no not like this is outrageous and i I think we'll talk about this i think this is where the nfl is going i think this is going to be much more like an nba like style in terms of quarterback movement when was the last time was the last time a quarterback got moved for a first rounder was that for sam bradford that might actually be true if you just look at like proven quarterbacks because you had Bradford. I I'm trying to remember Carson Palmer went for a first, Jay Cutler. Like those are the only ones that I can remember. Yeah, so it has been a while. Uh, we're gonna get into all of that uh, in a second. Just like literally two notes from the Senior Bowl. Mac Jones was the clear and obvious winner. He didn't play in the game, but he kicked ass in all the drills this week. Uh, definitely had solidified himself as a first rounder without a doubt and maybe even a top 16 17 type of pick uh just a great senior bowl from him he showed everything that he needed to do so that's very encouraging from him you got any notes on mac jones no it just seemed like he did a really good job and um from what i heard there's a very good chance he goes in the top 15 yeah would you just a little interesting thing here because we've talked about him as a value type of comp to jimmy garoppolo for a while I don't think the cap hit is super huge on Jimmy right now. If you're the 49ers with how he performed there and, you know, everything that we've seen from him this past season, would you maybe be looking at taking Mac Jones at 12 and cutting Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, because, like, Jimmy G's still making 20 mil. So you save, what, like 18, 17-ish mil? And that's huge for a Niner team that's against the cap. And the thing is, we think Mac Jones is – Jimmy G, but his range of outcomes is also going to be higher because he's an unknown since he hasn't played in the NFL. And I mean, there's seems also to be better out of structure than Jimmy. I'm not saying Jimmy's bad by any means. It's just, he's, you kind of know what you're getting. He's oatmeal to an extent to use an analogy. Um, and if you could get pretty much a similar player with probably a higher upside, just because um, he's more of an unknown like for 15-ish mil less, like I do that. And look, I don't think it takes that much from a quarterback to be um, decent in the Shanahan scheme. Like we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple of years. Um, And I think even if you have a little bit of an edge, you can accelerate into very great performance range. So I would definitely, you know, do that if I'm the 49ers or even look to trade Jimmy because I know there's been some talk about, Jimmy for Kirk and some draft capital. Now, if I'm the Vikings, don't know why the hell I would do that trade. I mean, you propose something where it's like, oh, you get to cut Jimmy and then you start to rebuild. Well, it's like this roster is like not really in rebuild form, in my opinion. You know, you really? have Thielen really? getting older. You have Thielen getting older. You have Kendricks. You have Smith. You have some young co- – like where on this team do you look at and say, yeah, that's a really crappy part, the cornerback position. You know, this is not a team that I'm the, the crappy part. It, you don't rebuild just because you're in a crappy position. Like you can also rebuild because you have encouraging young players that you want to develop, and you need the rest. The thing is, there is nothing the Vikings can do next year to like be a Super Bowl team. They're like they're they don't have resources there. Like where are they going to? These like you're not upgrading. They're you're stuck where you are. The, upgrading the D line is not take or adding a guard is not taking you to the Super Bowl like that's just not how positional value works and if Zimmer like is not going to embrace kind of a high-end offense they're not going anywhere really Kirk Cousins only takes you to a certain place I would much rather say hey we have some young secondary players Justin Jefferson's a beast we have these old veteran players that are worth something why don't we just do it because having this kind of back and forth approach is not the way to do it yeah i i don't know you, I, you, you don't not rebuild because you have a good linebacker 
and everything else that goes with it. This is a relatively talented roster. The number one thing that they need to do is what you just mentioned prior to something that you mentioned before that was Zimmer kind of embracing a high octane and more progressive offense. Because if they do that, this is probably one of the better four teams in the NFC. Um, let's see. I mean, I wouldn't take – even then, I would not take them over anyone – well, the top three – NFC West teams. I'm not taking them over Tampa. I'm I, I still think, not taking them over Green Bay. I think you got that, like Tampa. Six. You have Green Bay is possibly, and then I'll take. Uh, I Tampa. take. I'm. Ta- I'm sorry. I'm taking the Niners at full health. Much over Minnesota. I'm taking Kyle Shanahan any day of the week. Um, like I still taking Russell Wilson. I'm still taking the Rams. You're taking Russell Wilson, but you're really taking Chris Carson and Rashad. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, but like, but like, it's the, but it's the same constraints for both teams. Yeah, it's just that Seattle has a top three quarterback, and, and Minnesota has Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but for the Niners, if you're able to pull off that trade with Kirk Cousins. Um, the production with Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford has largely been the same over the last couple of years if you take out the injury-riddled Stafford season. So Niner fans, I, I've been looking at a couple of Niners pages, are essentially laughing at this idea of getting Kirk Cousins like, oh, why would we want to do this? Do people not realize Jimmy Garoppolo is not good? He never really has been that good. You know, I, the trade that went down and the trade that people are talking about potentially going down between the Vikings and, and the Niners, and I don't know how uh, valid this is, but I, I'm plugged in with a lot of Niners fans, and I've been hearing a lot about it on these pages and stuff. They're essentially laughing at this idea. Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford aren't that different, in my opinion. Stafford does have MVP upside, especially in a great offense that Cousins probably possesses, really. You put uh, Cousins in that Shanahan scheme, he could be an MVP consideration. And then I don't know with Niners fans, if you realize this, Jimmy Garoppolo is about as bad as Jared Goff. I mean, I think that, do you kind of agree with that statement or no? I mean, yeah. Um, the other thing that needs to be considered, because we always like hear these guys as replaceable Shanahan QBs. Cousins, unlike Jimmy G, also like throws the ball down the field. He had one of the highest average depth of targets this year. Like that is the, the big thing here. The only reason I wouldn't do this as a Niner um, like front office member because of cap hits. And I think Kirk Cousins is like a $45 million cap hit in a couple of years, um, which is just absurd. And it just hurts flexibility a ton. Like at that point, you're going to be so constrained. Like I, if I'm the Niners, I'm doing everything I can to get Deshaun Watson or I'm drafting a quarterback. The Niners are rel- like, who are they? Because Kirk has what, three more years on his deal? I'm pretty sure. Because they and it's a lot pretty of expensive, so sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sherman's leaving though, so that frees up a decent amount of money. Uh, Trent Williams they're is still really- they're still tied up though. I've I've looked at their cap, like it's not like they have some wiggle room, but not a ton because they they're and they're gonna have to make cuts at some interesting spots, which means then you have to you know open up areas like Sherman's leaving, so now you need multiple cornerbacks. Trent Williams is probably gonna have to be re-signed. Like, there's a lot of maneuvering that has to go on there that I just don't know if I really want, like, Kirk Cousins making all that money, even if Kirk Cousins is an upgrade. I still don't think they should probably just trade up for a QB rather than the if Deshaun Watson doesn't work out. But I also don't know what the market is for um, trading up for a QB right now. Yeah, trading up. I'd be looking at pick three from the Dolphins. Because then uh, it sounds bad, but I think it's also necessarily decent because the pick is made for you. You know, it's like because we're, I'm assuming the Jets take a quarterback if they don't. I don't know what the hell is going on in New York. But if you're picking a three, I feel like both Wilson and Fields are just going to be absolutely spectacular with Shanahan and that offense. Yeah, I would say, though, I could see Shanahan liking Fields more because Shanahan's saying that he does not want is, like, any mistakes. There's a huge reason why he wasn't a Mahomes fan coming out. Mm-hmm. And Wilson's kind of like a gunslinger mm-hmm. type that I don't think yeah. Shanahan will c- 
cater to as much? Well, if that's what Shanahan's looking for, and Mac Jones has had a kick-ass senior bowl, maybe Mac Jones at 12. I mean, it seems – Yeah, I mean, where... Mac Jones at 12, given the Niners situation, is not bad value. Yeah, from where I was about a month ago on Mac Jones, had him uh, back into the first, to me saying that he should probably be going 12 is just kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's just understanding where you are. Like, Mac Jones is the Kirk Cousins slash Jimmy – like, all these mid-tier QBs on a rookie deal is super valuable. The problem is, is teams view players as trophies. Oh, like, we got to justify that this was the right pick all along. So rather than it realizing this is, you know, we need to maximize efficiency, they like, all right, now we need to pay them all this money just because he's a good player and we need to justify our first-round pick. That's not – how it works. You can have Mac Jones be a bridge quarterback making no money, build a stack team and prosper and then not pay him when he's due for a contract. Yeah. And that's the thing with Mac Jones too. Uh, you're not rebuilding around him, right? I don't think he's on that tier of the first three guys where, Hey, I don't mind having a rebuild around this guy, Mac Jones. I don't necessarily know if I want to rebuild around him, but if I'm throwing him into a team that is uh, well-established has a good locker room and everything, it could be scary, especially with what we saw him do last year with kind of a similar set of situations. Yeah, I, I think San Francisco at 12 is a great spot. I love Indianapolis at 21 if he got there. If, I mean, would, if you're Indianapolis, would you trade up to about 15 or 16 to secure Mac Jones? Depends on the cost. By then, I don't think it would be that substantial that I would consider it. But it also depends what you do in free agency because at that point, do you just try to sign a Jameis Winston or someone in that realm? Yeah. Uh, still, I'm still loving Mariota for a third to Indianapolis. I think that would be a sneaky good one. Uh, let's get into that. I mean, let's stop beating around the bush. Let's get into the Matt Stafford trade. Uh, it was funny because, you know, Justin and I usually agree on most things, and then we have little differences here and there. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a group chat together. This thing got sent. And Justin and I, like, you had our messages, complete polar opposites. And everybody was like, what the, what is this? They disagreed on something like that starkly? Like, they were like, I was like, wow, this is crazy for this side. You were like, wow, this is crazy for this side. And everybody was like, what? Um, Stafford to the Rams for two, the next two first-round picks, which don't even take into effect this year. They don't even start this year. They're They're back into, like, back taxes or something like that it's next year and next next years so what 2022 and 2023 right those are the numbers yeah and then this year's third round pick um and is that their they don't even have a second round right is it was the third round going to be their first pick in the draft no i think if i remember i think they have a second round pick don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure okay uh and this this is really the highlight of the deal for me jared Goff gets moved to detroit so um, you want to start first on, on some of your thoughts on this? Yeah. So by the way, we'll get to some of the other offers the Lions had. Um, I think this was the second best offer on the table. I don't think this was the best offer. Um, I'll say why later, but here's my thinking is you get two first round picks and yes, they're kicked to the future, but when you're the Lions, like you're going to suck this year. Like, there's no point of having the first-round pick this year because you're just wasting a year on a guy's rookie contract. Like, honestly, you're kicking the can down the road to when you're going to start to be competitive, and you're embracing, you, you're playing the lottery a little because if Stafford gets hurt or the Rams bottom out, all of a sudden you have a big-time pick. I know what you're thinking. Oh, how could the Rams be a top-ten pick? Yeah, who is who? Did you think when the – when, yeah, when Houston traded for Lermy Tunsil, did you think that was the third overall pick? In fact, this has now happened to Houston twice, which is just something in and of itself. The Watson pick um, ended up becoming the fourth overall pick to Cleveland, which is just hilarious in so many levels. Um, so you play the lottery a little there. Jared Goff is a contract they can take on. It's only, like, stuck with them for two years. There's not really like much loss there it's not like oh like at first i thought golf was like stuck for four years that was like ooh, like that's not good yeah um and then you get a third but it's just two years which is fine they're not gonna be spending money anyway and then the third round pick so i think you're getting like a substantial amount of draft capital for 
a quarterback you had to move. And honestly, you're taking advantage of the Rams, like wanting to get rid of Jared Goff, like so badly when it doesn't really affect you having him on the team. Meanwhile, I think for the Rams, like you can make the case from a value standpoint when you add in the contracts and this isn't terrible. But I think the philosophy of going seven years without a first round pick, like constraining yourself to a window and betting that your defense is not going to regress and that like Sean McVay is perfect and none of the issues whatsoever were his fault. I understand that uh, like Jared Goff kind of sucks, but saying that McVay like inability to adapt isn't like 1% of the issues is probably a problem. Like for me, there's just a lot of fundamental issues with the Rams thinking here. And for the Lions, I just think this is a good step towards a long-term rebuild. I really like it for the Rams because I think it helps out a lot of problems, right? The, the first problem, uh, Sean McVay, as you were mentioning, we're going to find out a lot about Sean McVay this year. A lot about It's going to be super exciting. It is going to be super exciting. And my thing with McVay is uh, I, I mentioned something about it. I was pretty much like, we're going to find out. Is Sean McVay really to blame for the last couple of years or was it really Jared Goff? Personally, I'm going to put a majority of my chips on Jared Goff because I think it did handicap Sean McVay to a certain extent, you know, kind of handcuffed him, but not to, not to a certain point. So I think what's kind of going to happen is they're going to get in here. It's going to look gradually. They're going to kind of take some baby steps and then boom, it's going to explode combustion just immediately because then Sean McVay is going to realize, whoa, I have a dude who can sling the ball down the field. I have all this. I think at first, I think it's going to look a little underwhelming and weird the first four to five weeks of the season. And then we're going to see a huge blow up. But um, let me get into why I don't mind them giving up the first rounders. You know, for the Goff one, yeah, you probably don't want to give up the first rounders. And then they just went into the Ramsey one. Again, at the time, I was kind of skeptical of it, but Jalen Ramsey has kind of turned in and played into the player they want to be. Why? I, I mean, I kind of have this question for you genuinely, not trying to be like a, a smart ass or anything as it was about to come off as. Why wouldn't you be more okay with trading these? Because as you say, crapshoots, why wouldn't you rather trade these kind of unknown entities um, and get essentially something you know? You know you're getting one of the better quarterbacks in football, Jalen Ramsey. You know you're getting a quarterback that can just be great in this Sean McVay scheme. You know, why wouldn't you kind of be okay with getting more solidified players than rolling the dice? And is it because my theory kind of is the contracts? Is that really what it boils down to? That's definitely a huge part of it. And I think in general, sure things are not sure things. Like if you look at Jalen Ramsey's like grading profile, like coverage players are very volatile. And the fact is, I don't want to be like crazy here, but like, I don't think the Rams would have been terrible without Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they have other good secondary players. I think a majority of their defensive success was actually Brandon Staley. If you like Ramsey showed up last year, it didn't make a huge difference anyway. Um, and it's also, so there's a couple things. One, it's the giving up multiple picks for like Ramsey, right? Because mm -hmm. one singular player is unlikely to be as valuable as two when you're not a quarterback. And the contracts are a huge issue because you're constraining yourself to a window and you're not bringing in cost controlled young talent. But like, I cannot emphasize enough the value of draft picks. And as much as it's a crapshoot, it's the same way with baseball with prospects. There's always the, like, it's a crapshoot in both ways. So there's a, also the thing that you're missing out on, you know, super high end talent that's making nothing. And honestly, when you look at it from a risk reward standpoint, there's so much payoff from the draft that's just not there in terms of like investing in these players, like with multiple picks this way. It's just that we, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Football is a small sample size sport. So assuming that like Jalen Ramsey's always going to be a star, especially, you know, as he ages, right? Like to that extent and Stafford at age 32 is suddenly going to put it together. Like, Stafford is not a sure thing. Everyone is assuming Stafford's going to go to the next level with McVay, and I'm sure he probably will, but that's projection. At that point, it's the same thing as a draft pick. Like, you're projecting. It's just not a sustainable way to win. Makes sense. Makes sense. Right? Like, the Chiefs, if the Chief, like the Chiefs got away with the Frank Clark trade because they had Patrick Mahomes making nothing, 
right? Like teams like don't I, like you can do the Stephon Diggs trade and give up one first round pick in the back twenty and have it not harm you because the thing, and or you know even the Colts with DeForest Buckner because they have used the draft in the past to get all of these cost controlled young players. You can afford one time to go out and get your star player. It's the, okay, we're doing it again and again and again. It's already bad enough that you're signing, you know, non-QBs to these huge deals that are limiting you from a cap space perspective. Like you need the draft to get this depth and you're just giving away picks pretty much. And it's not like is Stafford worth X amount of picks is the improvement from Stafford to Goff worth two first round picks and a third round pick. I think it's worth one, and then I think it's worth one to get Jared Goff off your your book. I don't you know. You're going to tell me that because if Goff was for four years, I would say yes. For two years, like I don't know, like that's something I would do. Like I, I and I will say I do love the idea that the Rams are like not settling at the QB position. That's the one thing I do like. I just think that when you add in the fact that they've made so many trades in the past, like you kind of have to realize your chips are in the table. You can't continue to do this. You like the, the, the Rams are going to be in a worse spot than the new Orleans saints are in a couple of years. And I don't think they're going to have a super or super bowl or even the regular season success. The saints had to show for it. We'll see. I think, I think it's definitely a move for the Rams to capitalize on a window where they have, maybe the best defensive player of all time, just going ham in the middle of that. But your best defensive player is an interior defensive lineman who's been a part of really bad defenses in the past because he plays a non-valuable position. And you're, you're downgrading significantly a defensive play caller. Uh, was Stafford, what, a one to two win improvement over Goff? You're going to lose that just with from defensive regression. You think that Stafford is only that much better than Goff? There are 16 games in a season. Patrick Mahomes is worth four wins above replacement. I'm t- I'm pretty sure that Stafford is not worth more than one to two wins over golf. I don't know. I think Stafford. I think Stafford. Especially is- in a QB friendly system. Yeah, but a QB friendly system where the QB was horrid. You know, like we we. I, I think we're overrating Matthew Stafford a decent bit here, and not real and making too many excuses for his situation in Detroit when he honestly had better playmakers than what he's going to have in LA. think so. The dudes played with Calvin Johnson, Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, and Kenny Galladay. And TJ Hawkinson was a beast this year. He was TJ Hawkinson, top five tight end. Keep make sure you make sure you add that with Hawkinson. Um, but Stafford has but, some. Like, Stafford <laughs> is a cont- one like Stafford wants contested catch guys. Like I don't think Cooper cups going down the field and catching a jump ball. Like, I, what I'm like, I just don't, and like, what are we getting? Like, it's just such a bad philosophical standpoint. And just assuming, because you're looking at this as, okay, the Rams are the same team and they add Stafford, but they're not going to be the same team. No. Their defense is going to be so much worse. They're going to, like, at, like Stafford, adding Stafford gets them back to nine, 10 wins. This is very Viking signing Kirk Cousins estimate. And it's just a failure to kind of understand how, regression works in football i think the defense does regress but you i don't think the defense regresses to bad i think they're exactly what you talk about i think they're going to be uh what what's like your keyword for the defense um uh i can't think what do you usually say you want your defense to be well generally i say i want my defense to be a defense or just not a liability right and i don't think they're going to be a liability next year well yeah but they won games last year strictly because of their defense and a weak schedule they played the NFC East. They won four games against the NFC East. I think they do get better with this because Stafford, you know, you're pairing him with. Well, obviously, obviously you get better, but how much is that worth? Is that worth pretty much the rest of your future? And now you're win- like you're going to – you've constrained yourself to one to two-year window. And I think the Rams played against the Saints firsthand and saw how much variance there is in a season and in the playoffs is not something I want to bank on. Yeah. I, but like I said, I think you get one year uh, or one of these picks goes toward acquiring Stafford and the other goes to getting rid of Goff. And I like, don't I, think, but you can't, but Brock Osweiler's contract got back a second round pick. So I think, I don't think a first round pick's going to Goff. I think the third round pick is going for Goff potentially, but like David Johnson, 
his contract like was a second round was like wasn't it like a second round pick pretty much well that was stupid like that was the underhog but like the rumor was that like teams were willing to no but i'm saying like the rumor at the time of david johnson was they were gonna have to attach a second round pick like and those were worse contracts than jared got so i think and the fact is of the matter is people want carson wentz like still, so I don't think it costs the first round pick to get Jared Goff. I think it costs the third round pick to get rid of Jared Goff. Yeah. Speaking of Carson Wentz, man, you have been uh, such a Carson Wentz hater over the last couple of months. I'm starting to get there with you. I'm starting to get there with you. Did you hear the thing where he's all complaining and in his feelings? That's the number one word we're going to use to describe Carson Wentz is in his feelings because. <laughs> Sirianni didn't like commit to him being the starter or didn't say he's great. I know that was that was hilarious, man. And, I like, read that. I read that. I was like, this dude is right. Like Justin is way ahead of the curve. I was like, what even is this? Like he didn't say, you know, Carson Wentz is coming off a horrible season. He's pretty crap. You know, we got a situation. Like, no, he said we have two great quarterbacks in here. What is he supposed to say, Carson Wentz? What is he supposed to say? Like at least be like at least he called you good. Like that's yeah if i was the head coach i would have been like we got to figure out how to get this red-headed idiot out of here that's what that's what my press conference would have been not trying to make amends with you or anything at least he was nice about it at least he was at least he didn't say this guy hasn't really won at any facet in in the nfl at least he's you know at least he didn't pull that on you carson wentz that's what i would have done yeah like carson what carson wentz has to be the worst like mid-tier quarterback you can be right because he feels like he's he's better than that he tries to play hero ball when, like, there's no really high-end play ever recently. Like, he's literally losing you games thinking that he's Patrick Mahomes out here. Like, he's the worst mid-tier quarterback like, you know, uh, type of mid-tier quarterback you can be. Exactly, because he's pretty much Jared Goff, but Jared Goff uh, isn't going to be trying to – you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he is the tier that yeah. Jared Goff is on. And, like, you look at – he's the polar opposite of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is, like – beaten into submission by Vikings fans. Like, he's, like, apologizing for everything. You know, the defense gives up 40. Damn you, Kirk. Uh, Carson Wentz is like, my defense gave up 17 and we could have win. You know, that's on the defense. They should have allowed less. Like, yeah, I'm starting to really hate Carson Wentz with you. Yeah, like, I don't understand that we can have a world where Jameis Winston's accepted as a backup, but, like, Carson Wentz is a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I got to see what's going down with that. You think they're going to end up rocking with – both guys to start the season i would assume so i mean if i could get anything for carson wentz like he's out the door asap i just don't think the market will um be there and at that point you're just kind of stuck with them what is his kind of ability to get rid of him right because you were talking and made a great point that i loved after about two years you can get rid of golf about how long is that with wentz for if a team like indianapolis like if I'm in I want to say two to three. Two to three. Okay. Yeah, it's worse than Goff's contract, I'm pretty sure, from getting out of. Okay. And do you, like, do you see any team that you would encourage to go out and get Carson Wentz, even if it's for, like, a seventh? If you could just pretty much have Carson Wentz on your roster, are you even doing that? No, because I can sign Jameis Winston for, like, five to ten million dollars. And you don't have to give up the seventh-round pick or whatever. Or – you know, the best thing I'm ever. like, I, I'm in the business of winning games. So if a team wanted to give up a, a seventh and the Eagles decide to pay his whole salary for, you know, and I'm trying to tank, like maybe I'll take Carson once because, you know, I need to get that number one pick. I, if I, if my goal in the NFL is to, if my goal is to win a football game in 2021, I do not want Carson once as my quarterback. I agree. I agree. Brutal. It's, it's, it's bad. Um, yeah, so enough of that Carson Wentz crapping on. Do we? Oh, we have, all the coaches are done. Did he get signed before Friday and we just didn't talk about it? Oh, the Texans one? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I watched the press conference. It's, I don't think that's – I don't want to be rude in any way. I, I don't think this is ending well. This sounds very much like we need someone to get through these, like, two to three years of like when it's really, really bad and this is going to be a problem. Also, yeah. the Texans asking for defensive starters in the Deshaun Watson trade rather than just young players in general is such like an overreaction to what your team was last year. Like, please just get good players. Like, the not Okay, this is, you're probably going to disagree with this, but the Niners said you can have either Debo Samuel or Nick Bosa, like take Debo Samuel. I'm taking Nick Bosa. 
Nick Bosa is not winning you. Like the Niners defense was the exact same as it was the year before when like the Nick Bosa is not a valuable player. And I continue to like, can't believe how the NFL just values edge rushers and D linemen and just trophies. It's really what they are. Just trophies. How much better do you think that Debo makes the, the Texans over the next couple of years? I don't think he, I don't, I don't think, think anyone's making the Texans deal? any good. I don't yeah, think, I don't think that, but you think Nick Bosa is making a difference? You think Nick, like you think Nick Bosa's like we saw Aaron Donald when the Rams like were just absolutely terrible during the Jeff Fisher. You think like, I mean, JJ Watt played pretty well last year. You think Nick Bosa's like doing anything? Nick Bosa's worth like 0.3 wins above replacement. People Samuels at least is worth more than that. Yeah, I just, it's weird because I don't see either one of those guys swinging it. I wouldn't, I don't know why I would be asking for players at all. You know, that's like, actually a good point because if, like, by the time, like, like any of those guys, like, are, like you're good, those guys are going to need contracts anyway. Honestly, just get, like, if I'm the Texans, I'm just going, I want this pick and I want this pick and I want this pick. Honestly, I would swing the bat at, like, a Tua just because if he ends up being decent, you can flip him for more capital. Um, yes. But that's, that's yeah. the only player I want. The players are an attempt to save picks. You know, it's like, like we want to send you Nick Bosa so you don't ask for two more first-rounders. Well, it's like, no, just give me the two more first-rounders. Neither one of these guys, yeah, they're going to contribute to the rebuild, and then by the time they're good, we're going to be in this same situation where I'm with Deshaun Watson. You know, we're not going to yeah. be one of so, these guys. Are going to try yeah, to if I'm the Texans, I want, I want just all the first-round picks and second-round picks in the world. I'm not wasting my time with players. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so they signed – I don't even know his name. What's his name? David Coley. Yeah, and the funny thing was, usually when something happens, I, I usually have a good idea of who the person is. And if not, you know, you go on Twitter, you find some pretty uh, reputable people that you respect their opinions on, or not even, you just, you know, they know their stuff. Um, nobody knew anything about this guy. Nobody knew a single thing. You know who taught me the most about this guy? NFL memes. Um, this guy was the wide receiver coach for the Chiefs the year none of their receivers had a touchdown. Do you remember that year? I remember. Well, yeah, wasn't that with Alex Smith? Yeah, I think so. And then, uh, like Dwayne Bow, old Dwayne Bow, not primetime Dwayne Bow, was like their number one wide receiver. Um, yeah, that year. Somehow that was a playoff team. But then, guess who was the passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens this past season? Yeah, a guy that you know, Twitter one was wondering if they even had a passing game coordinator. That's not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. This makes literally no sense whatsoever. It gets an F. There's nothing. This guy can win three straight Super Bowls, and I'm still going to say, why the hell did you sign him? It makes no sense. I, mean, I wonder I, if I, – I just think no one wanted the job. Like, I think this is very much of take one for the team, and then, like, we'll be decent three years. Like, there's nothing to be inspired about here whatsoever. No. Uh, but – Casario uh, seems like he's in on Watson. You know, he sounds like he's holding his ground and gonna waste away. I think it's. Uh, doesn't this feel like we're gonna be in like July or August and they're still gonna be doing like the stare down and it's gonna be this whole is Deshaun Watson gonna report for training camp? He's not going like, to. Like, if I'm him, and he's not going to. Like, I feel like this is gonna be one of those things where the Texans just keep waiting and waiting and then they have to ship him out like a couple of weeks before the season, like, you know, around when like the Cleo Mack trade happened. And it's what, like, what do they lose though? You, you're gonna lose like a lot of leverage. And honestly, right, and then also instead of getting the second or third pick, you're getting future picks where you don't know where it's gonna land. And the issue with that is if you give a team to Sean Watson, they're gonna be better. Yeah. Uh, you guys know my opinion. I'm a jerk. Let him rot away in Houston. You don't want to play. He ain't got a point. Well, yeah, that's, that's if what I'm I a Houston, do too. If I'm a Houston Texans fan, which I am not, then I'm like, look, get this dude out the door and give me my draft picks. But from a from a kind of like NFL purist type of view, don't trade him. I'm, I'm one of those kind of like mean old school guys where I'm like, don't give him what he wants. You know, he can play on the tag. He signed this extension. That's the thing that really irritates me um, is because I'm sure 
when it was time for extend you know what i mean like you're extending a dude you're expecting him to stay here and then yes okay but really good. you you have to realize though what went on this season with the texans with jack I easterby I, like I, that's yeah. the thing is like watson did not sign the deal not realizing that's some like leadership like i don't even know what he is, is he, i don't i think he's like is he a preacher like i don't even know what he does there he's, but he's, like was gonna like take over he's one of the uh evangelicist on Sunday morning before football comes on. He's one of those dudes, I think. No, I have no idea. It was just a joke. Yeah, it's bad. Like, and he took complete control and Watson probably was not thinking like that the team was then, and then they were going to, um, what you would call it, like go, Hey, we want your help for a GM and head coach. Nope, we don't. And then lie to the media saying that we asked for your help. Oh, and on top of that, apparently they were not responsive when Watson asked for their help um, in social justice movements. So there's a lot of things like going on here. Why Deshaun Watson does not want to play for the Houston Texans. I don't think Texans fans should be mad at Deshaun Watson at all. I think this is all just a failure of an organization. Very similar, actually, to what we're seeing in baseball with Nolan Arenado and the Rockies. What? Um, when did he sign that extension? It was after the D-Hop trade, right? Wasn't it mid? Yeah, it, it was. It, it was uh, right before this season. You, like, you didn't think you didn't realize there was enough bullshittery going on that you were like, "Yeah, this probably." But not- the oh. East, the Easterby stuff, like the whole idea was Easterby wasn't supposed to be in the picture. Like they, he took a lesser role, and then he got bumped up again, like during the season. Makes sense. Makes sense. I guess. I guess. Yeah um yeah for me like there's no way for us to know but from the outside it very much sounds like promises were made that were not kept yeah yeah i get it 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 just sucks just sucks for texans fans to land a gold mine and have your organization just completely blown up that's the best part too right like they went all like you did all these the reason the texans are in a pretty bad place is because they went all in and did all these big moves to get Deshaun Watson or and and put him like and surround him with as much like talent as they can, even though the approach was just terrible. And now the reward is okay, Deshaun Watson like Deshaun Watson isn't supported. Like it's just hilarious how you could do all these like go all in to try to support a guy and then not support him. Yeah. Uh I could kind of tell this thing was going downhill the moment they traded D Hop for a bag of chips. <laughs> Surprised David Johnson didn't quite move the needle there. I thought he was. I thought he was really gonna, you know, ignite this offense and be legit running back one and just, you know, fantasy darling. Like when was that? Twenty fourteen when David Johnson did that. Oh, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. So enough depressing Texans talk. Super Bowl is in what? The rest of today, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five ish days. Um, needless to say, everybody's excited. So let's talk about some places where each of these defense can get exploited because really that's where a game is won. You know, how are you going to pick apart their defense more? Now, both of these defenses are pretty legit. In my opinion, I think Tampa Bay, well, everybody kind of knows what Tampa Bay does. And I think the, the Chiefs are one of the most underrated defenses in the league. Like nobody gives these guys credit, in my opinion. Um, and people still kind of look at, well, are you going to be able to stop people on that? Yes, they do. They stop a lot of people. They're one of the better defenses in the league. So, no, their defense is not a weakness. However, both of these guys have weaknesses on their side. Who do we want to talk about first? Who do we want to delve into first? Ooh, that's tough. Defenses, defenses. Um, you know what? Let's start with Kansas City's defense because honestly, the way like the only way that Kansas City doesn't win this game is if Tampa Bay drops like forty points. So, yeah, which is how which is true every week with Kansas City. So, Bucks fans, do not get mad at me. No, yeah, yeah. You if you look at the one game they lost in like the past what forty calendar years, it was because Oakland. Oh, man, man, we've had a whole season. It's because man, I you did it again. Yeah, it's uh because Las Vegas went in there and out uh out Big Twelve, the most Big Twelve team in the NFL. Um, so yes, Kansas City defense, while it is solid, they got some weak points. Uh, linebackers, they ain't got a lot of linebackers. So that middle of the field, which game was it? It was the was it the Rams Packers game where I was talking about that middle of the field is where the game was going to be won. Was it that one? I mean, just based off the two teams, that would seem to be the one. Yeah, I think that's where I was saying that. 
this is a very similar weak spot for Kansas City. And if you look at where the Bucks are good at, you have Gronk, who hasn't been properly utilized. I mean, he's pretty much just been an extra tackle for a majority of the season, but who knows, man. Super Bowl Gronk may get cooking over the middle of the field. And also, as you were saying before, whoever lines up in that slot is just going to be a mismatch nightmare. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, like, Evans, like, this isn't a great matchup. Chiefs are kind of a zone-heavy team with kind of lengthier, bigger body guys. I think it's going to be – like, Godwin and A.B. are going to be the guys in this game. It's probably going to be Honey Badger, right, that comes down and plays them in the, the slot, though? Yeah, so I don't think it's actually going to be who's in the slot. I think it's going to be who's not in the slot and who's yeah. against, like, Charvarius Ward. Yeah, who I, I, like, I like Charvarius Ward, and I, I like Legereus Sneed, too. Both of them have had very good seasons. Well, I, I can't comment on Ward, but I know Ward was great last year, and I like him as a player. Um, both of these guys are solid, but – you're playing against just cream of the crop dudes. Like Mike Evans is no joke. Neither is Godwin. Neither is Antonio Brown. So they kind of have you beat on all those facets. But, but as you were mentioning before, that same scenario last week, and they did a good job of getting after the quarterback and not leaving these guys on islands to just get beat down the field or beat and then one-on-one. The defense did a very good job rallying the ball and not letting Diggs get after it after the catch. So I, I think – you know, my one problem that I had with them last week, can you win these one-on-ones on the outside? They did. Are you going to be able to do it again? You know, it was kind of the question. And also that middle of the field area. Those are the two big X factors for this defense, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we'll see. Like, do they dial up the blitz a couple times against Tom Brady? Who knows? I think uh, Tom Brady is the one guy I don't want to blitz. Like, more so than – probably anybody on earth oh no if i'm the chiefs and i think they're gonna do this i am playing too high i am pretty much saying please run the ball please run the ball and bruce aaron's be like yeah let's run the ball like that's how you win this game it's the same saints approach like you want to know why the saints have dominated the bucks like defensively every single time because like they don't give a crap if they run the ball that's pretty much why i do think though that's something that kansas city could do to kind of take away that middle of the field and it seems a little bit unconventional, but using Honey Badger in that robber role. So, you know, maybe running some more like cover one type of stuff or even cover three and then drop Honey Badger into the box because then that gives you one of the better coverage dudes in the league to just, you know, float around that middle of the field where we anticipate them probably getting picked apart. Yeah, and I would also say that I would play a lot of sub packages in this game. I'm running a lot of dime defenses. I don't want my linebackers on the field. Yeah, no, get your best players on the field um, because really at the linebacker spot, how did Willie Gay perform this year? He's pretty solid. He's definitely their best coverage linebacker. He's hurt, isn't he? I thought he had – Oh, some- shoot, he is hurt. Yeah, he did. He's yeah, because he's sur- out for this game. Yeah, knee surgery or something. So then you're down to that's- Hitchens, right? Hitchens and Neiman or whatever? Yeah, that's not ideal yeah. at all, particularly oh, with Hitchens. I would much rather have guys like Breland on the field, especially just because of the packages they're probably going to come out in too. You know, probably a lot of of 11 personnel to get those receivers out there. But, you know, Tampa Bay, for somebody who has probably one of, if not the best one, two, three wide receiver, they run a lot of like 12 personnel. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I like you, the strength of your team is, Hey, we have three elite receivers. And then even beyond that, we have Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. Let's limit the amount of chances they have. Cameron Braid. Cameron Braid, baby. And don't even get me wrong. Cameron Braid is a good receiver, but it's like you have those three guys. Why are you not using them? It's just, I don't know. Bruce Arians, you are the most undeserving coach to be playing in a Super Bowl that I can remember. Like it, it, you make me just want to bash my head into my wall right over there. It's, it's really bad. It's horrible. Yeah. Did you see he, uh, they asked him what his favorite play was and he said, and he said 22 duo. Never change Bruce Arians. Never change. There's probably, yeah, I mean, playoff, playoff Lenny is the X factor of this game. Honestly, can I get a, where are the prop bets looking like? I want to get a, like take uh, Lenny's over and carries please. Like that's, my favorite prop right now. I want his uh, I want his odds for Super Bowl MVP because if you get down to the goal line like three times, who's it going to? Scotty. Oh, Mills. speaking speaking of Tom Brady's over under rushing yards is point five. Like 
hammer the over because all you need is like one QB sneak. Yep. My man, I was at the gym this morning and I looked at it and I was like, man, because it said how to bet Tom Brady's rushing yards. And I was watching it and I was like, oh, uh, I'm thinking the under, man. I don't care what it is. Give me the under on that. And then it was half a yard. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, give me the over. <laughs> yeah. like, there's no way he gets whatever it is. And then it was half a yard. I was like, quarterback sneak, quarterback sneak. But yeah, man, Leonard Fournette, it's probably something around like plus 7,000 for Leonard Fournette to win Super Bowl MVP. And all you really need is one Tampa to win. That's probably the hardest part. And then two to get like three touchdowns on the goal line for Fournette. No, man. I don't yeah. know thousand dollars the risk reward there seems solid to me the problem is like uh, it's just so hard for a running back to win right because like damian williams last yeah. year we need uh who was the last running back to win was it uh uh the broncos guy can't think of his name um oh yeah um yeah i know who you're thinking of my davis was his name no terrell davis no that davis terrell davis yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he the last back guy in the day that can't be right. I'm gonna right because hold up. I'm I'm looking this up right now. Was it maybe one of the running backs on one of the Eli teams, like Brandon Jacobs or something that got it? Uh, I'll, I'll keep freestyling while you look that up. But um, yeah, that, those are kind of the middle of the field, and then winning those wide receiver matchups. Now shifting to the other side, I think there is a very clear and obvious weakness, and it's Todd Bowles to a certain extent. Now, uh, now everybody knows I was loving what Todd Bowles did last week. However, a little bit of a different monster, right? This week, do not put Carlton Davis on Tyreek Hill. I mean, if you did not realize that after the first matchup, then you should be fired as a defensive coordinator. It makes no sense to go out and roll Tyreek Hill on the dude who just can't say that. That's actually really horrible world slaughtered him um, on live TV you know, for all of us to see, put him on display, you know, just cut him up. He didn't even like cut him up. It was bad, like stab, stab. But yes, it was brutal for him. Um, you proposed possibly Jamel Dean be on him. And I actually think that's a really interesting fit there. Doesn't it just make sense? Like the faster guy would be on him. Yeah. And Dean is big. So uh, I don't necessarily want to press, but if I am, if any of those dudes are going to press, it's Jamel Dean, who's like 6'1", 206, which for a corner seems big. You know, I want him to get his big bear paws on Tyreek Hill instead of uh, whatever Carlton Davis did last time. But Davis is still my um, weak point on this defense because he had a rough go last week. And I think it doesn't matter who's on him, whether it's Hardman, whether it's um, um, – Kelsey playing out of the slot or something, whether it's Tyreek Hill, you know, whoever it is, I think it's just going to just abuse Carlton Davis. Yeah, like we saw this last time. It was not pretty whatsoever. Did you get the Super Bowl MVP list? Yeah, so it was Terrell Davis was the last one to win, which is crazy. I would never have thought that. Yeah, that's that's the only one I could think of. Like that would have won it. When was the last time a defensive guy – was that the only time? K.J. Wright, when he got it with Seattle, was that the only time a defensive guy – See, that's not, even, that's not even the Seattle um, defensive player that won. It was Malcolm Smith, actually. Malcolm Smith. Yeah, I get those two mixed up. That was the most random – but that was the most random one. No, Von Miller won with Denver. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That was the most boring Super Bowl ever. I turned that thing and off. And the last non-QB offensive player – oh, actually, Edelman won. But before that was Antonio Holmes. Oh, back in, what was that, 2009? Yeah, actually, ironically, both of Ben Roethlisberger Super Bowls and the receiver won the uh, Super Bowl MVP. Who won the Seattle one? Uh, Heinz Ward. Interesting. Before my time, wasn't really watching football there. Um, But, yeah, so I think pretty much what it should come down to is just slap around Carlton Davis. (laughs) That's really what it is, in my opinion. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. That's the guy to pick on. Just ask you know, Green Bay. Excited to see in this one, Winfield man. I'm excited to see how they use Winfield because um, I, I would like to, but then I wouldn't like to because he's probably a midget compared to Kelsey. I think that could be an interesting one, but then Kelsey just dominates him with size and strength. Yeah. What about the other one? How tall is Whitehead? Isn't Whitehead a pretty good size? Um, I can, or David, I think he's, I mean, Levante, obviously Levante David is, 
like your go-to guy in coverage. It, it's going to be like whoever you put on Kelsey, it's not going to end well. Yeah. I think another weak point for this Bucks team could be in coverage, Devin White. Because you, you were we were talking about it before the show. Not the yeah. coverage there. However, so I he, do I do want to say something about Devin White. Uh-huh. He might be the biggest gap between reputation and actual production in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he's not that great. Not that great. No, I think I think what he is is what everybody thinks Roquan. Well, what everybody thinks he is is what Roquan Smith actually is. Or like what Fred Warner is. Like yeah. these guys who actually. Are good in coverage. Uh, yeah. So Whitehead is only five foot ten. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, yeah. Lamonte um, Davis. It's up to you, buddy. But they should really think about because the one thing I will give Devin White that he does good, he can get fill the interior well and blitz well. So if I'm using that, I'm running a lot of uh, five man pressures because, in my opinion, a five man pressure is a blitz, but not to the extent where you're leaving yourself out to dry too, too, too much. So I'm sending a lot of five-man pressures to isolate those edge rushers who dominated backup tackles last week, and they're going to get to dominate backup tackles again. You know, I'm doing my best to try and create as many one-on-ones as possible, and five-man pressures will help that out a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so, yeah, we're just starting our little Super Bowl analysis. We're going to be getting uh, very in-depth to it on Friday. Anything else you want to add before we head out? No, not really. I mean, Super Bowl is coming up. I, I got to start looking at these prop bets. That's the best part of every Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I saw the national anthem is like two minutes over under. Is it a two minute? Uh, I remember the over, man. It's a duet. Duets take oh, last time. When yes, was the last time over. a duet went like this? Because, you know, one section, little break, another section, little break, another section, little break, another section. Then they're going to have to harmonize. Look, harmonizing takes a while, man. You listen to Beatles songs, those things go for like seven minutes sometimes. I'm telling you, the harmonizing and that singing together thing, that's going to take up at least a minute and a half. Bet the over. Bet the over. Duets, always long. Come on now. Easy. Yeah. So that's that's your little betting advice. Nothing about what's going on in the field. Just, you know, national anthem stuff. Uh, and always, always remember, if you are going to bet on it, hails never Fails. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Peace and love. We'll see you back here on Friday.